So welcome to Position Neutrality, welcome to New Freedom. How's everybody doing tonight? There's plenty of room in here, so come on in, make your way. Those of you that are still trying to decide whether your social anxiety will let you in the room. Hey, what we do here uh, lately, especially all of 2023, is we've been opening with a prayer, and tonight we have Pastor Robert here who's going to offer a prayer to get us prepared, and then we'll get right into what we do. So Robert, if you would come do that for us. Let me get this on. Can you hear me now? How exciting it is to be here, right? But well, we need to invite somebody else. His name is Jesus. Would you bow your heads as I invite the Lord to be in our presence? Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, you said when two or three gather in your name, that there you would be in our midst. And oh God, there's more than two or three here. So Father, I pray that this evening, oh God, that you would bring not restoration, but transformation. Father, not only to our hearts, but to our minds. Father, your word says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Father, I pray this evening as your, as your word goes out, that words of transformation would take root in your people, oh God. Father, I pray for your presence. I pray for an anointing on Joe, oh God. I pray that his words would go out mightily, Father. Your word says, Father, that your, your word does not come back void, but it sets out what you said it to do. So we're praying, Father, that lives would be touched, moved, and transformed this evening. And in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. All right. So who's here at Position of Neutrality for the first time tonight? Anybody? One or two of you? All right. So first of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings and other fellowships you may have attended. And the primary reason that's liable to happen is that we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here, we've been doing for lots of years. We take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Yeah, it's been proven to work. The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what I do here, although it may look and sound like I'm telling you what the book says, that's not what I'm trying to do. You know, our 12 steps says we try to carry this message, practice these principles in all our affairs, and people say, why do they say try? Well, because I'm going to try, and you may misinterpret me, and I may cross a line somewhere and be more emphatic about what the book says because I believe it so emphatically. But the fact is what I'm trying to do is show you how I find my experience in the book and encourage you to have your experience with the book. That makes sense? So if you'll let me have my human condition, I'll let you have yours. But if we both do our job, we will share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. How many of you have been here before and can witness for folks that does happen? So yeah, you guys online, you don't know, but they're raising their hands. And when we talk about a spiritual experience in 12-step recovery, we're talking about a sensory experience. You will feel it. And when you do, I'll know, and I'll call it to your attention, because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of the power. Fair enough? And that for the skeptics among us that want to know how my knowing your feeling something proves anything, we got, you're feeding me back a little bit, proves anything about the existence of God, perhaps it does not, but we take a few things on faith around here, even in 12-step recovery, and at most AA meetings I've ever been to, we read a little portion of chapter five, and in one portion of that, they say, there is one who has all power. That one is? And you all know that, so if you believe what you profess, then 
Isn't it logical that if I know that you're feeling something in the time you're feeling it, we at least demonstrated the oneness? And that's what we're trying to do. Okay, and tonight we're going to be talking in steps 10 and 11. So that's really the conscious walk with God. That's right. Those of you that haven't been here before, you may not know why we've got the chorus. But when we say God, you say because God and power are interchangeable to us who are trying to grow in conscious relation. Does it make sense? We're not teaching theology here anyway. We're talking about power found where? Deep down, Deep down inside. And how do we find it? Sometimes we have to search fearlessly, but in the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. And then they talk to us about the sensory nature of the power we call God. What's the sensory nature that they declare? Power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowing in. So now it starts to make sense that when you feel it, I'll know, right? Because once that gets moving, we all going to know. Okay. So we're on page 83 of our book. And some of you have heard these called the promises. I've even been in some recovery halls, fellowship halls that have them listed as the 12 promises. And I caution you and tell you that some drunk did that. <laughs> what they really are is the ninth step promises. And the reason you want to know that is the promises they give us are states of being when you're at a certain level of consciousness of God in your life. Does it make sense? Yeah. So the promises are actually states of being that you'll become aware of or people interacting with you will become aware of in you. So it says on the bottom of that page, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, so what phase? Steps four through nine. That makes sense? I'm getting, I learned practices in four through nine, and now I'm getting ready to get disciplined in those same practices, yes? Okay. It says we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. So what's new mean? So it's not just freedom from alcohol, it's not just freedom from heroin, fentanyl, cocaine, methamphetamine, it's freedom from, freedom from the bondage of self. So even if I didn't believe, by the time I get to this place, I said a prayer in three, relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. And maybe I didn't even know what bondage of self meant, but by this phase of my development, I do know what bondage of self meant. Does that make sense? Because I've proved in my own experience how fear drove me to act in certain ways that was not authentic to me. And it caused me wreckage that I did not intend. Yes? Okay. So then it says, will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Why? Your past prepared you for your purpose. And as you start walking in that purpose, you'll realize every gnarly thing you ever went through was absolutely necessary for the work God has for you going forward. Make sense? Then it says, we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. So what is that? They're talking about states of being. Serenity and peace are states of being. Everyone knows what it means to feel Serene, right? May not be able to de describe it, but you felt it. Everyone knows what it means to know peace, right? To be somehow absent conflict in a mind and emotion machine that is often not free of conflict. Yeah? So we will comprehend serenity. We will experience serenity. We will experience peace. Does that make sense? How many of you have started to have some of those things happen and they were somewhat foreign to you. So those of you that didn't believe in this power we call God, but start having these experiences, start to come to believe. That's why we have a come to believe step, right? We come, we come to, we come to believe. If we're properly directed in what it is that's happening in us and through us. Yes? All right. So no matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. Now that's a promise. What do you, what's your part in that promise? Yeah. 
How many of you went a little ways down the scale? Look at who I'm talking to. How many of you have started taking that power out for a walk and found out that your lived experience has extraordinary power over people that are deemed hopeless? Who's feeling that? Bunch of you are because the amps went up. That's the power we call God. That's not happening up here. That's happening in you. That's what we're trying to awaken. Okay, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. How many of you have had that happen? Once you got armed with the facts that you played a part in a lot of the things you went through, did not this feeling of uselessness, number one, you went through purpose because you're going to go, even if you haven't unpacked yet, you're fixing to meet the next person who's going to help you unpack when you tell them how you survived what they're going through. Come on, guys, our whole model here at New Freedom is based on this. Every one of you that's programming here has the opportunity in your groups when you see your brother or sister struggling to turn to them, say, I know your struggle and be authentic because you do know their struggle. That's why it works when other things don't. We'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude upon our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. How many of you have started to experience that? They didn't say economic insecurity would leave you. They said fear of it would leave you. Well, we laugh, but, but people think they misinterpret. The reality is I went through great economic insecurity. I learned I could survive in it and thrive in it. <laughs> He's known me a minute. But all of you have learned the same thing, right? I mean, nobody can teach us anything about overcoming the fear of economic insecurity because we've had everything taken from us, and yet here we are. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. How many of you have started to experience that? We'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Power is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. I'd like to call the attention of those of you that come here and program is that many of you sat in a place for many years thinking everyone had forgotten you. And I'm here to tell you that God put on our hearts to build a place for you. And here you are, right? Here it is. And we didn't build this because of our qualification. We built this because of our identity. Does that make sense? Okay. So are these extravagant promises? So the chant is we think not, but to Sean's point, they do seem a bit extravagant, don't they? Especially from some of the places we come from. So the authors knew this. Remember their peers and they're talking to their peers. And what they're saying is, look, dude, I know this sounds crazy, but that really happened to us. Like I was this and now I'm that. And the only thing different was him. Does it make sense? That's what we're trying to tell the story of. Right? Okay. So, says, are the extravagant promises? We think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. So, promise and condition. These promises will always materialize. The promises are states of being. How many of you have been around clean for a while? How many of you had the promises materialize? Then stop doing what you were doing? And they vaporized. Because it's a manner of living. It's not one and done. If I don't keep serving, my promise in three, my prayer in three, my confirmation in seven was as long as I have a breath in my lung, I will use it to advocate for my brother and sister. And any time I stop advocating for them and start judging them, I'm on the wrong side of the bench. Does it make sense? Which requires a power greater than me because I'm quite sure sons of you sons of bitches are doing it wrong. 
And I still think like me and talk like me, but I act more like him. Does that make sense? Okay. So this thought brings us to step 10. What thought? They are extravagant promises, but this is facts from their experience. They always materialize if we work for them. And if he did it for them, he'll do it for me. That's the point. Okay? So this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So if I'm going to continue, when did I start? Do you agree with Sean? Most of you learned to take a personal inventory when someone showed you how to do a step four, right? So they're suggesting that I continue to do that and continue to set right new wrongs. When did I learn to set right wrongs? By the time I got the list in four and I started sorting them out in eight and then started prosecuting those approaches in nine, right? So... I know how to do that. I'm going to continue doing that as I go along as well, which is why the step says, when wrong, promptly admit it. Right? Okay. So then it says, we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So now they're talking to us about the manner of living suggested. There's no new disciplines after what you've learned in four through nine. It's just becoming disciplined in the practices taught to you in four through nine. Learn that you're really not seeing that other person or hearing that other person. You're seeing your thoughts about what you think they did or said. Yes. Does that make sense? And I can give you some biblical reference. Why, how can you see the speck in your brother's eye when you can't see the plank in your own eye? Better you should remove the speck from your eye so you can better see to help your brother. So the plank or the speck in my eye, the plank in my eye is perspective. I'm not there to judge. I'm there to help. So if I'm there judging, I'm misperceiving. Does it make sense? So they're teaching me how to, because I've seen how myself manifests. I learned that in four. Driven by fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity. I step on the toes and they retaliate. Okay. So we've entered the world of the spirit, it says. So what's it like to have entered the world of the spirit? We've got to take the mysticism away from people. How many of you have started working through this step process and have started trying to help others? How many of you have found that your thoughts are less cloudy and you are able to offer yourself to other people? Even people that you find offensive. Look, man, one of the first things we realize about the power of prayer is I'm empowered to act kinder than I feel like acting. Okay. All right, so our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So understanding of what, effectiveness at what? One of the things you can notice about the steps as they're written, they say God as we understood them, always in italics, right? Or or underlined or bold or whatever, depending on what printing you're reading. So they're suggesting that their understanding grew. And they told you precisely how they understood God. This isn't God of my understanding. That's not what they said. God as we understood him. And their testimony speaks to how they understood God. The clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. Never mind the musty past. A miracle sat right across the table from me. That's what they said. The God of their, that they understood was the sensory experience of deliverance, that everything was going to be okay, the power, peace, happiness, sense of direction. So we got to call that to their attention so that they understand that's what we're talking about. And then that, as we understood him, always in past tense, because the God I understood then is not the God I understand now because he's revealed himself to me much more richly now. Does it make sense? So it's not even my understanding. When I admitted powerlessness, that wasn't no bullshit. I had no power. But I was filled with power as long as I would serve. And some of that power was understanding. Does it make sense? Okay. So then it says, this is not an overnight matter. Now, why would they mention that to people like us? Because we want it now and we want more than the other guy. So the only portion you're going to get is the portion you have for you and the one you're offering out. 
and you're going to get it as it's needed according to your service. Does it make sense? Then it says it should, this, it should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So now, if I'm going to continue, when did I start that? Sean always says that. I contend that I was pretty good at spotting selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear all my life. Step four is when I learned what I was really seeing. Step four is when I learned I was seeing my thoughts and not your actions. But I could always spot selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear in you. My problem was I was running around spiritually blind, and I didn't know whether I was seeing you or I was seeing my thoughts about you based on my experience. Make sense? So, continue doing what I've always done, but when these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. Now, I know God to be a sensory, tangible power that makes my life meaningful and relevant. So when I'm asking God, I'm not talking to something silly, it's not a wish or whatever. I am expecting a result because I have a promise that says, if you lack wisdom, ask and you'll be given abundantly. Right? So I know this sensory power, so when I'm disturbed, my idea that from them is to take captive that thought, run it back down through the grinder, and at least act better than I'm thinking. Does it make sense? And then it says we discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. So you may be discussing them with your sponsor you met here, or as you're growing in consciousness, this is about the conscious walk. So you quite often are going to take it to the power within you. You're going to discuss with the power within you what's indicated, and then you're going to act as indicated. If you're still stuck in the agitation after a period of time, then call a human and help you sort it out. That's why they didn't name another person. They said just with someone, because there's a new man or a new woman within you. Does it make sense? Okay. And then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. So to participate in God's plan for my life, I not only have to ask, but then I have to offer myself in service to whatever the source of my agitation is if I want the full effect. Does it make sense? I know it's a tall order, but remember there's a power greater than me operating through me. So I've just got to participate, okay? Love and tolerance of others is our code. Love what? Love the people, tolerate the symptoms of their spiritual malady. Separate human beings from human behaviors. Does it make sense? And they just told you what the principles are you're going to practice in all your affairs. Did you catch them? It's not the long list Bill wrote 15 years later. I know people teach that, but that's just not true. He wrote that book to sell it too, and he put a bunch of principles there so he could... Get people to memorize shit like he, you were buying something. But the reality is the principles we're going to practice in all our affairs are watch, ask, discuss, turn. It's a manner of living. How do I know that? Because this book was written 15 years earlier. They wouldn't have told me to practice these principles if they hadn't laid them out. Make sense? Okay. So it says, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. So here's some more promises which, interestingly enough, they've never hung on the wall. These are far more powerful promises to me. How many of you have been in the struggle with alcohol or drugs? They didn't, notice how they didn't say, yeah, don't pick up no matter what, because they knew it an impossibility for someone like me. If it's a conscious thought, I'm already in it. It had to be removed from me. So it says, I've ceased fighting. Anything or anyone, even alcohol. And then it goes on to say, for san- by this time, sanity will have returned. And two, I was just hoping for that. I was just hoping that he could restore me to sanity. And they even told me what the insanity was. Anyone remember? An appalling lack of perspective, the inability to think clearly. How many of you have found that you can think clearer as you've moved in this thing? How many of you have come to realize that going out and using again when massive consequences faced you clearly was insane? It wasn't just... 
We don't think it at the time, and we don't even think, when we first get into recovery, we don't think we belong in recovery. I don't want to be like those people. <laughs> but the reality is, we're not very good at assessing our own condition. Okay? So it says, we'll seldom be interested in liquor if tempted will recoil from it as from a hot flame. That doesn't sound like I'm not picking up no matter what, does it? That sounds like I have been restored to sanity. Seldom interested. And when I am interested, I recoil. Any of you ever touched a car in Phoenix in the summer? No one had to say, don't touch it. It's hot. You knew intuitively. This motherfucker sure is hot. We laugh at that. But would I not have done the same thing with drugs many times over and over, right? So now that I'm reacting normally, even when the thought comes, we take captive the thought, we turn our thoughts to someone we can help, and if it accidentally comes my way, I recoil as from a hot flame. That's the promise. If that's not what you're experiencing, then be honest with yourself, get a hold of one of us who is experiencing it, and we'll see what's up with your spiritual status. Because we're here to help you. No, we, we, we don't win till we all win. All right. So we'll see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. How many of you had an evolving idea of drugs and alcohol? We almost have to, right? We can't serve if we're judging the behavior. How many of you have tried judging the behavior and found that it made you less useful? We can't. Right? You're going, to be, you're going to have to be the stable force. You're going to have to be the one dishing out love. All right, so that's the miracle of it. We're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. The name of this group. Why do we call I have people ask me all the time, why do you call it position of neutrality? Because it is a description, a scientific description of how humans know they've been raised above the laws of the natural world, just like we're promised. Because at the cellular level, we're action-reaction, all the way to our core. So if you're not acting in what you're feeling, then you've been raised above those natural laws. That's a power greater than you operating through you. Does that make sense? Okay. So we've not even sworn off. How many of you tried swearing off and then thought you'd overreacted? That's why we don't quit nothing. Dude, I've never quit nothing. I am not a quitter. I, one thing I am not is a quitter. I got beat to death by drugs and alcohol and still didn't have any quit in me. I was delivered from it. So it says we've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. See how my experience aligns with theirs? And I, when I say that to you, I'm telling you, I was the guy that everyone talked about at the meeting. Joe, coffee makers, make it. Okay, let me make the coffee. Then three weeks later, they're saying, where's the fucking coffee? <laughs> well, Joe found out the guy down in Sunny Slope would take that coffee with a little bag. Ain't no more coffee. I didn't stop no matter what. I hear people say I don't pick up no matter what. I didn't stop no matter what. I had to be chained down or locked up or both. And still I'd go out and do it again. And then one day, pow, it never happened again. Just like that. I met a man who told me about a man. And I've never been the same. So, that's what happens. Anyway, so, we're, it's problem been removed. It does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. Why? I'm not driven by fear anymore, so I don't got the fight or flight thing going on anymore. It ain't got nothing to do about me. I died, remember? How many of you died in your addiction? Dead man walking. That man died, and now I live another life, right? Okay, 
So what's, what's it got about? Why be cocky or afraid? That doesn't mean I don't experience fear, guys. I remind myself it ain't me. It never was me. Okay? That's our experience. So they're talking about that's their experience. You want to align yours with theirs. If you haven't had that experience, get with one of us who can witness to you about it, and we'll, we'll share. We're obligated to. You share your honest doubt and prejudice. We are obligated to introduce you to power. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So they're talking about as I grow in the spirit and I'm going through this whole process of growing in the spirit. If I'm not reacting this way, what's it mean? That I have not maintained my spiritual condition. That make sense? And how would I know if, well, I just go back to the first sentence we read. Am I fighting anything or anyone? If I am, okay, then I have not yielded. That doesn't mean God won't use you as a change agent. I'm just saying he ain't going to use you with your fist. He wants you to use the fists of your mind and serve. Yes? Okay. So it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. How many of you learned that? You know what they mean by laurels? Yeah, past accomplishments. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. How many of you had some clean time? And then you didn't. There we have it. We're not cured of alcoholism. I think we need to talk to people about that. They never tried to cure my alcoholism. What was the doctor's opinion? Be good if you didn't drink, Joe. Yeah, no shit. Now what do we got? That plan will never work. They never tried to cure my alcoholism. So the spiritual program of action restored my identity. Who I am and whose I am. When I walk in that, I have no reason to medicate. Because I'm inebriated in the spirit as long as I serve. So what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Hence the death sentence. I've already gone through that process. Every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. Which day? Sounds like they mean Sundays too. Which activities? How many of you started to grow and God got your addiction and then you figured you could handle all the relationship stuff on your own? So I, I'm not very good. Again, we never establish our own condition as well as we think. In all my activities, I should be growing in conscious relation, which is why they've taught me these, right? So I can get more disciplined in capturing the thought, taking it in, checking it against reality, and then walking out in the truth. Yes? Not my truth, not your truth, the truth. How many of you have been walking in this and you realize there's often a difference between your truth and other people's truth about you and the truth? Vast difference for most of us, right? All right, so then it says, how can I best serve thee? Thy will not mine be done. The not mine's in parentheses. Why did they do that? Not mine's the thing that we say when we don't understand. I turned it over and I took it back. You ever heard that or said it? You ain't got a very powerful God if you're snatching shit out of his hand. There's not God's will and my will. There's God's will, which has no opposite, and my opposition to it. Because I have not yielded. Does that make sense? And again, I may be used as a change agent, but not in judgment. So I'm going to have to yield in the moment, assess what's up, and then get power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction in order to move forward. Yes? So I'm going to show you, as you awaken, how they do that. Because that not mine will go away by the time we're done tonight. All right. So these are thoughts which must go with us constantly. Why? How many of you have been just, hey, man, I'm really happy. This is all good. That son of a bitch. <laughs> we, we, we have a tendency to fall into slumber or to be 
surprised by something in the world and we forget that the world has no power to cause how I think and feel. It simply reflects how I'm thinking and feeling. And I think something's not there that is there. And all of a sudden a storm erupts and I'm in the center of it. I may be the driving force of it. So then it goes on to promise us we can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It's the proper use of the will. So how many of you never understood that when they asked us to turn our will in our life, they were talking about turn my thoughts and my breath over to this power that's restored me and then move in that direction. Right? So God never wanted my will God wanted my will properly aligned because I am going to meet some resistance and my will is going to maybe be the extra 1% I need to get over 50 to make a difference. You don't think that's true? Look around you. This had never been done before. We went and found somebody that wanted to start a business. We told them we're going to bring 400 recently released men and women we're going to plop them right in the middle of Phoenix. We're going to offer them treatment, job services, and they're going to have private rooms. And what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> but here we are. And they didn't ask the right question, did they? Because what they needed to know is what could possibly go right. And that proper use of the will was to face all the worldly opposition and walk through it anyway. And all of you that have been here with us from the beginning, you know what I know. We had much opposition. Those of you who just got here and heard what we went through the last quarter of last year, we had much opposition. Guess what? You cannot kill what God has ordained. So it says, much has been already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. So when did they say that? It said, much has already been said. This whole story has been about how they experience power, peace, happiness, sense of direction. They're growing consciousness. They're talking about the ninth step promises, then the tenth step promises. And now they're trying to incentivize us moving ever more disciplined in constant inventory as we go along. Does it make sense? Yep. If we have carefully followed directions, so do we break down the directions close enough that you're starting to see how it might work, even if you... Yep. Doesn't it sound like a more logical solution to people like us than don't pick up no matter what? Yep. I mean, that's an interesting thing to say, but it's completely ludicrous in light of my experience. If we have carefully followed directions, we've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. Yes. Guys, that won't happen if you're believing that God is a group of drunks or a doorknob or a light bulb. You need to understand that this is power found within you. It's consciousness of that power has been obscured by calamity, pomp, worship. And when we identify that and we ask for that to be removed and we start walking out in servitude, that flow of his spirit into us is why I have a greater understanding to serve. That is why I have power to live within me that I did not previously have. Does that make sense? That's what they're describing. I'm telling you right here in this room, that still 80 years later plus, that's still happening. Does it make sense? So then it says, to some extent, we become God conscious. So are those interesting choice of words? To some extent, we become God conscious. So what is God conscious? Yeah, aware that I'm aware. There's a power in me that's not of me. And as Sean points out, what ends up happening when I'm in that awareness, I realize I'm not my thoughts. I'm not my emotions. I'm the experiencer of thoughts and emotions, which means I'm in him. Does that make sense? 
And then it says, we have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. So why do I have a program of spiritual fitness? Because I need to develop my spiritual muscle. And so the reason I learn to admit promptly when I'm wrong, to pray, meditate, pray all day long as I go along, the reason I do all of that is the same reason I do leg day or chest day when I go to the gym, because a fitness program requires exercise. Make sense? And then it says that we've begun to develop this vital sixth sense. The sixth sense is what? God consciousness. And all of a sudden you have a new way of seeing, hearing, smelling, feeling. Yes? But we must go further and that means more action. So now they've got me to the level of consciousness where I've ceased fighting with any or anyone, but I'm still a little confused about God's will and my will. I have not yet been convinced that there is no my will op- other than my opposition to what's up. Okay? So then it says step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. So I need to talk and then shut up and listen. And then if I could, once I hear the answer, maybe not argue for a better outcome. As a human, I probably will. How many of you have done that? You ask for an answer, you got the answer, go, no, no. And the other thing is it's okay to talk about these things in recovery rooms, guys, because nobody knows it's okay to grow in God consciousness until we give them permission. Because we've been told for years you can't do that. Well, then we're not doing AA. Because AA says we came, we came to, we came to believe, and this is what it felt like and what it looked like. And if we don't tell that story and encourage people to tell their story, we cheat them out of their recovery. That's why we went from 65% efficacy to three. So it says, we shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. What's constantly mean? All day long as we go along, right? Just like they set me up for in 10. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. So there's a promise and a condition. What's the proper attitude? Proper attitude Sean says, believe it. And of course, as you grow, you do, right? But in your very beginning stages, all they said is honestly want to and willing to make the effort. You're going to have to act your way into better thinking because all of your addiction was you trying to think your way into better acting and it didn't work. So you may not always feel what you're seeking, but that doesn't mean it's not there. That means you're asleep. So you're going to have to go out and serve and offer yourself and continue to do these disciplines and you will find these will happen as long as you honestly want them to and you're willing to make the effort. Does it make sense? So then it says it would be easy to be vague about this matter. That's one of the biggest understatements in this book. Because we go to fellowships years and years later and people are entirely vague about it and they mislead us completely about various phases of meditation. This is just a conscious walk with God. It doesn't require me going to a room and none of that. I mean, you can do all that and there's health benefits to doing all that, but that's not this. Do it in addition to your AA practice, not as a replacement of your AA. Your AA practice is I live my life walking around God's people and I find them disturbing some percentage of the time. And so in order to be a proper servant, I'm going to have to do this pray, meditate, pray all day as I go along so that I can properly fulfill my commitment that I made in three. So it says, yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Now, that would be changed for many of us, wouldn't it? How many of you retired at night and destructively reviewed your day? Any of you go to bed with regret? How many of you destructed somebody else's day? The experience is the same. It's not constructive, right? So we constructively review the day because we're already okay. It was preparatory for where we're going, but we gotta get in discipline so that the walk smooths out, yes? So when we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Question mark. Those are the things I was looking for all day as I went along, right? 
And they didn't do it all day as they went along, but they found out if they'd clean it up, that'd help. Okay? Then it says, do we owe an apology? How many of you gone to bed angry, did a little self-reflection, maybe got a little convicted, realized you probably owed an apology, but screw them. Maybe I'll run into them in a month. So someone told me a long time ago, the softest pillow in the world is a clear conscience. So what we want to try and do here is if we can get honest with ourselves that the disturbance is happening in me, not out there, that I need to get this right, then, then I'm going to have a better shot at maybe getting a little rest. Okay? That's why if you're sponsored by somebody, they probably tell you when you get to about this phase of your development, why don't you call me every day for 30 days or so? People say, why 30 days? I said, well, because if you do it for 30 days, you'll see the benefit. You'll be showing other people, and you'll just keep doing it as a matter of your practice. And if you don't find the benefit or you don't do it for 30 days, you're never going to do it anyway. And then we'll catch you on the next run. <laughs> That's kind of the way it goes. Okay. So, so have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? But that's the other reason why we have them call us. And then there's one little secret that you may not know why people maybe many years in recovery still got people calling and do their check. Because if you're calling me and I know, I'll have done mine. Because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I can be a running drunk. I'm good at that. But I don't want to be a hypocrite. So y'all are linked to me because you push me through my disciplines because my human side does not want to not be prepared when you call. Right. It says, were we kind and loving toward all? Now, how many of you thought you were kind and loving toward all until someone asked you if you were in your thought life too? <laughs> because quite frankly, how you acted, if it's better than you did, that's progress. But then once you're acting better, do not be conformed to this world, rather be transformed through the renewal of your mind. If you want to claim that promise, there is a transformation of renewal of your mind so that you will not respond the way the world tells you to respond to things the world responds to. And if you don't believe me, how many of you have had something happen and you were told you should be angry about it? How many of you discovered you were not angry about it? So everyone tells you you're supposed to be angry, but you weren't angry because you had empathy for whatever was going on in that situation. But that's not of us, that's through us, correct? So then it says, what could we have done better? So I'm not going to stay in the problem. If I was selfish, dishonest, resentful, or afraid, don't stay in the problem. What could I have done better? How many of you have learned that once you get some direction, you can act in it? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? It's deconstructed. Is the reason I had all these issues because I was thinking too much of me and not enough of them? Or were we thinking of what we could do for others, of what we could pack into the stream of life? So they're trying to lead me. Again, eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. So the question mark is for me to take inward and ask so that I can start getting armed with the next day's orders. It says, but we must, not be, we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. How many of you in your recovery did something that just really hosed it? Not got loaded, but just treated somebody, just went off. Tuned somebody up. Found out they didn't deserve to be tuned up quite as ferociously as you did it. Maybe not at all. Maybe it wasn't even in your pay grade to tune them up. So the idea is, if I don't own that action, but I'm wanting to stand up here and tell you about when I'm doing better, then I'm not only cheating you out of my authenticity, but I'm cheating me out of self-knowledge of the redemption I'm still walking in. Does that make sense? So it says, after making our review, we ask God's forgiveness... 
and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So I can come up with my plan, but then I better go in and get his plan. Because I thought my whole life was a shipwreck, and I didn't know until I met God and he informed me about what was up that all that I thought was wreckage was absolutely healing that I had to go distribute to his people. And I had to get it the way I got it, because the people he was sending me to required I be authentic. And they required that I have some humility in it. Does it make sense? Okay. So, on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. So we went right from asking and then awakening. How many of you have woken up, had some revelation from the night before, and didn't do anything with it, and it kind of vanished? How many of you took note of it when it came, and you actually realized that it was inspiration? Not just the psyche, but just inspiration. You're supposed to do something. I can tell you, I, I've told this story before. I had a guy that I, I sent passages of scripture to a number of people for years and years. This guy was going through it. His father um, was very sick. And I woke up just straight up, two in the morning, and I ran to my phone to send this scripture. I don't know why, but I went right to the 23rd Psalm. And I sent it to him. Those of you that are not biblical students, the 23rd Psalm is usually associated with funerals or often associated with funerals. And, and so I sent it to him and he called me instantly, like 205. And says, thank you for that. My dad just passed. So I was telling you, some, this is the kind of stuff that happens if we get into discipline. We get informed in the spirit and that we can be places to serve at times that we wouldn't otherwise know. Okay. Um, oh, boy. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking. Especially asking it to be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. So those of you that don't like prayers, I'm not a big fan of, of canned prayers. You should be de developing a relationship. But when you're just getting started, just, God, please, you know, guide my thinking especially to be divorced to self-pity, dishonest, self-seeking motives, because you can do that without feeling like you're in King James language mode. And the reality is it'll help you at least to become aware of your thoughts and take captive the thoughts. Does it make sense? And the reason I want to employ my mental faculties is one of two things are true. Either I'm employed by God and he allows me to employ my mental faculties or my brain takes over and I'm the tool. And you know what happens when I'm the tool? Yeah, you're the tool. <laughs> <laughs> Any of you ever wake up and your brain was in charge? Yeah. You're not good enough. Yeah. They probably know what you did at work. Fuck them, don't go. Yeah. <laughs> I bet she's cheating on me. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever that manifestation is, I'm all I'm trying to do is raise our awareness. This is real stuff. And, and I don't want my brain to be in charge because left to its own devices, it gets me in jams. But if I, in the spirit, employ my mental faculties, then I can hone in on what God wants me to do, who he wants me to serve. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says our thought life. Now they're talking about how we live our life. We think we live our life on this plane, but we don't. We live our life on this plane. That's why people like Joe and I notice how the rest of y'all have aged and we haven't and we don't understand it. Right, Joe? None of you know. Joe back there knows, right? Right. Everyone else is getting old, aren't they, Joe? <laughs> our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when we're thinking of, or thinking is cleared of wrong motives. So if we get beyond what I can gather onto me and I just become, how can I serve, how can I serve, how can I serve, right? Thy will be done. Okay. So in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. That ever happened to anyone? <laughs> See how this is a manner of living? How they're telling you how they learn to walk consciously with God. And how it 
redeemed their life to a life of purpose. Okay? So we may not be able to determine which course to take. Any of you had maybe more than one option? Said what they did is here we ask God for inspiration. So when I can get honest with myself that I'm in indecision, if I'll go back inward and ask, and they tell me, ask, you know, God inspire me. And then it says an intuitive thought or decision. So they've not only told me what I'm asking, but how it's going to present to me. And some of you have already had this happen and didn't have it explained to you. You ask, God, give me wisdom. God, get me through this. God, whatever. And then it came to you in an intuitive thought or decision. You just found yourself acting in the right way when many times in your life you did not. Does it make sense? That's what it means to grow in conscious relation. And that's why you want to share it with somebody. They go, wow, good growth move. Right? Okay. So, what did I do now? Oh, we relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We're often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. So how many of you, it took a minute to grow in to getting the direction and actually moving in the direction? How many of you got surprised how much easier it did to go do hard things? Come on, many of you have had to do hard things. Right? When you have to do hard things, you're going to need a power greater than you because we are averse to hard things. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. So they're promising you a restoration to sanity. That inspiration becomes a working part of my mind. I'm not even consciously acting anymore. I'm just moving and asking, right? All right, so being still unexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it's not probable we're going to be inspired at all times. Why'd they tell me that? And because I want to be inspired at all times. So when I'm not, rather than get, you know, let down, the promises are not for when I'm full of joy. The promises are when I feel like I'm in the pit. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. So you just lean on that, right? It's going to come. It's going to come. i got to keep serving. It's going to come. So then it says, we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. So in three, they told us how that works. Take away my difficulties, a victory over them may bear witness to your love, your power, your way of life. I don't take credit for those difficulties going away. He took them, right? So that's what it looks like. I, as long as it's going to show you a redeemed person, I can ask, right? Okay. We're careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. Some of you may not be able to easily see why if you haven't moved in the process any length of time. But in the beginning, many of us had a lot of circumstances that we had to confront. And we wanted the circumstances to go away, but the circumstances were there to really get the things that were in our way. Our hopelessness, our self-pity, our dishonesty, our guilt, shame, and remorse. It removes them as we're empowered to walk through them and earn the respect we desperately want. Make sense? All right, so if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we've been discussing. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. They didn't say be quick to see that religious people are right because religious people are people. But see where they're right and align your experience with theirs just as we're aligning our experience with these guys. Does that make sense? And it says as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful 
and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. By this time I'm awakened, I'm ready to serve. There is no illusion of a will apart from God. I'm just asking for power to carry it out. Does that make sense? It's gonna be difficult sometimes. So I'm gonna need the power. But I am the hands and feet, which means I have to move into it, honestly want to, willing to make the effort. Does it make sense? All right, so there we are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily for we're not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works, it really does. That's them telling you, that's me telling you, that's where I'm gonna kill it. But guys, that's what we're shooting for. We're asking for relief of the bondage itself and they've described in a sensory way what that feels like for them and it's there for you too.